Happy to have on the program today a couple of state representatives for the region. We have uh, State Representative Dick Lowe from Amber. Dick, good to have you on the show. Great to be here. And his colleague, Brad Bowles from Marlowe. Brad, thanks again for coming in today. It's always great to be here, George. Love to tag team you guys and uh, just kind of get a feeling about uh, some of the things you guys are working on over at the state capitol. And hard to believe uh, we're past the halfway point already, Brad. We are. You know, last week was the halfway point, so... Uh we uh, this is the point where all of the uh, the House bills go to the Senate that pass the House, and the Senate bills that pass the Senate come over the House, and we start going through committees again. So that's where we're at right now. And next week is committee deadline week, which means um, if bills don't make it through the committee, then they they die at this point. And then uh, the next two weeks after that, we hear all the bills on the floor. And what's the number of bills uh, for this session? Well, we started with 2,000 House bills. 2,000 okay. in the House. Yeah. That's right. And I think about 500 made it to the Senate, right around that number. <clears throat> pretty pretty close. To, I haven't already kept a count. I know some of those late nights seemed like we ran a lot of bills. We yeah. did. And, you know, we'll probably half of those bills will hopefully get through the Senate. And so, you know, about 10% of the bills usually make it into law that get filed. So when you hear all the stories about these crazy bill ideas, just remember 90% of them end up not making it through the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, publicity uh, in the early part of the session about uh, various bills, and sometimes we just never hear about them anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, Brad, let's just talk about some of the things that you've been working on uh, in the Energy Committee. And Sure. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm the chair of energy for the House of Representatives, so uh, most of my uh, focus is on energy policy. Uh, so this year we had quite a bit of things going on. Uh, you heard there was an earthquake yesterday. I did. Mm -hmm. uh, up in the Chandler area, like a 4.2, I think. And so what we found out this year is that um, a lot of the seismic arrays that we have in Oklahoma, about 75% of those are the federal government. Uh, it's their actual equipment that they loan to the state of Oklahoma on a grant program. Well, that program ends this year. And so they're going to be taking those back potentially. And the ones that we still have here remaining – Let's say the, the balance of 25%, they are very outdated. And so uh, we have a bill that basically will help the uh, Oklahoma Geological uh, Group get new uh, seismic arrays that are out, basically updated, new technology, and it'll help with the notification system. So, for instance, like in the situation that happened the other day, you know, with the new equipment, we may have a day or two notice that, hey, there could be a seismic They could predict earthquakes? They, they, they can really? look at the, uh, the what's going on underground mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see things building up with pressure and notify the public prior to it happening. Now, is there still some issues with the oil and gas uh, activity that are causing some of these uh, tremors or earthquakes? There are some frat quakes that do happen from time to time. And that's another thing these uh, arrays will help with is uh, the Corporation Commission monitors these on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. If they see uh, seismic activity or pressure building up, maybe in a location where there is drilling, they can notify that drilling company and say, hey, you need to pull back your pressure, you need to slow down. There's some mitigation factors that they can implement that will hopefully, you know, prevent that from happening. Um, you recently were reappointed to a kind of a federal uh, group uh, of uh, energy states, basically, to kind of share information about uh, – that's right. What there's, legislation uh, might be beneficial for the for the industry? Yes, so there's there's a National Energy Council, which uh, is leaders from all over the country that are in energy policy. So I'm on that council, and the Southern States Energy Board. I'm on that as well, which is basically the oil producing states of the country mainly. And then it's basically the governor, 
um, Secretary of Energy and the House uh, and the Senate chairmen of each of those committees for all these states. So when we get together, it's a pretty interesting uh, meeting. We always have good speakers come and, uh, you know, it really sets the energy policy for the country or what we'd like to see in the country, you know. And uh, so hopefully that, that'll be a good uh, experience to have as well. And really, we can tell other states what we're doing in Oklahoma. And then also, you know, there's some other best practices other states have that we can learn from. Dick, let's talk about some of the things that you're working with. And, um, you know, we want to get to the education things here a little bit later in the in the program because uh, that's the biggie, of course. So, uh, without a question, so, that's so what we, can, we don't go a day. Don't go a day without hearing anything, something about, the, that, about that, education. That's true. In, in, you know, when I ran, you know, I've always been an ag guy, but I've always been involved in education too. And I've just. Uh, moved right, right into education. I serve as vice chair of appropriation budget, which is kind of a small number we work with, with just about $4.2 billion. And as we were joking before we started the show, that that B word of billions is not something we typically use in our household. So it, it's a new field for me to be talking about those kind of numbers. So uh, we're working through the education stuff, and we'll get to some more of it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about a bill that I'm, a group of bills that we're working on. Two of my have that'll be in uh, committee this week, and uh, but we're talking about school safety. And these bills deal with making sure our schools are prepared, having uh, companies come in or groups come in and do an evaluation of every school in the state of Oklahoma, make recommendations, and then also have a grant program out there to help to uh, do to put those practices in place. Um, I think one thing we, if I talk to most parents and me have raised kids and, and Brad's also his children, we want our kids learning, but we want them safe, number one. And so this has become a real issue. Uh, I know what has what we have dealt with in Grady County and Chickasha schools here just recently. And, you know, we, we want to know that if something like that, a threat happens, hey, our kids are safe. We've got them as safe as we possibly can be. And so we're, we're working on that. And it'll be a group of bills. Instead of patchwork of things, we're going to do the whole aspect of all the things we need to do, recommendations, fun, funding, grants, and so on. Now, I hope people don't understand we're just going to give all the money to anything you want. We, we're going to make recommendations. And, uh, but, you know, we spent a lot of – schools spent a lot of money over the last few years getting tornado safe. And we're really excited about that. But we may have to be – bulletproof also and so we could work together right and but as we've heard the several times already this year that uh you know people with weapons are able to work their way into school even though there's some safety measures that are put into place well i was in one of our schools here in the district just just north of chickasha and and they went in and put some film on the windows on there it will not take three or four bullets they'll have to end empty a magazine to even possibility that gives those students and those children or those teachers and administration time so we can get time to get in those safe places uh, that when that starts and so that's very key to us is is we got we have to provide time you can't take care of all the liability we can't get all that out but let's get time to react and do things so we're we're excited about how that's all come back talk about uh, a lot of schools have trouble getting or figuring out how to pay for uh School resource officers. That's going to be one of the bills I have is, is dealing with just with school resource officers. So I'm excited about that. Right. And for some in Grady County, the sheriff's office actually supplies the funding and salary for a school resource officer. Well, so what are some things your this legislation might do? Yeah, this, and that's some do because some use off 
duty officers. Uh, I know uh, the years I spent at uh, Canadian Valley, we had one of the sheriff's de- deputies there, and we paid part of their salary, and that was you know part of that situation out there. So we're we're looking at a lot of different options out there to do it. Um, we we need some professionalism. Not necessarily an SRO is our st- resource officer. We need professionals to come in and really and say, well, I think that's a good idea to do that. Let's see what's worked and what's proven and make sure that we can protect our kids. Well, and just to piggyback on that, uh, a couple of years ago we passed a bill through the, the gut sign in the law where basically school board members can allow uh, teachers to carry, um, but the school board has to approve it. And the teacher, obviously, it's a volunteer. They have to want to do it. And they have to get cleat training, I believe it was. We, we took so, the cleat training out this year, but we do have extensive training. But that bill the, hasn't passed through the, the, the It's law passed yet. the House. It hadn't gone through right. the bill. Uh, Representative McDougall has that bill. And we're looking at making sure. We want those anybody carrying to be very, very trained. Right. But we almost got it so hard they couldn't, and costly, we couldn't get those teachers through that. And uh, we're not saying we want to arm every teacher. I don't think right. Brad and I would be the one would be. No, but I think it is important to know, you know, for someone, you know, if there was an active shooter situation, that there is someone on school site, maybe multiple teachers in different buildings that are armed and know how to handle that situation. Because, you know, some of our rural schools, it may take 10 or 15 minutes to get police out to them. And so, you know, not all of them are like, let's say, Chickasha or Duncan, where there's police within a few minutes. And so, you know, 15 minutes with an active shooter could be a, a long time. No doubt about that. Um, let's talk about uh, some uh some things regarding um um some other education <laughs> kind of lost my train of thought okay. there dick i'm sorry so uh, uh we, you know we can talk about education and i think one thing we've heard the speaker in some words that he said and i thought it just it really made sense whatever we do when we start talking about educating fund education funding we want to help every student every teacher every parent and every school not some of each. We want everybody to be a win, and we, we feel like that's what we're trying to work towards. Uh, yeah, there's the, the uh, discussion about vouchers and whatnot, and that's yeah. a big, uh, that's a big you know, issue. We, we did well, the bill that we sent over had um, it wasn't vouchers. We did tax credits, and we can say, well, they're the same. So yeah, explain, explain okay. that. The big difference of vouchers, you're going to get your money up front to go. And you'll see what you do with it. Tax credits, you will get, you can ask for tax credit after. You will have to provide a receipt that for your your tuition. It's not just for whatever you want to spend for. If you give money, somebody money up front, they can spend it some way, different ways. We're going to make sure you did that. Uh, we if we if we if we give you some money, it's going to be on the tax side. You'll be proof. Same thing. You'll have to have proof uh, through the Oklahoma Tax Commission in uh, even the homeschool aspects. Now, I'm going to tell you, I would, I think Representative Bowles and I are exactly the same. The bill that we sent, I didn't love every part of it. We don't, the tax credit deal does not excite me at all. But you put bills together or packages, and as a package, I could live with the bill, and it helped the district I represent, mm-hmm. helped every school well. And so uh, we really pushed together. We were heavy on the rule. It was very help, helpful to try to get the rural schools because we kind of get left behind sometimes. And I know Brad and I both stand hard for our rural schools. Well, and it was a compromise. I mean, the uh, the rural members in the House, we didn't want to vote for the uh, the tax credit or the whatever, you know, the private school side of things because we don't really have many here, or if any. 
And so that doesn't really help us that much or our constituents. And so what we've, what the, the plan that the House created basically overweighted rural schools on public funding. And so we were going to get a significant amount of money back to our public schools. And basically, if we create a new baseline with this additional money, and if this baseline ever gets lowered in the future, the entire tax credit program goes away for private schools. And so it basically puts everyone in the same alignment, which is fun, fully funding public schools. You know, in Chickasha Public Schools here and well, all the schools in Grady County, it was significant uh, game changers for the schools. And it's annually, not just a one-time deal. So that's yeah. why the rural members came on board and supported this is because right. when we talked to our superintendents, they were like, this could be a game changer for us. And I served kind of the number three position in the House on education behind the two chairs. And I will tell you, four hours before I saw the bill, I told the speaker I would not vote for it. There's no way I could vote for it. You don't usually tell the speaker you won't vote for a bill, his name on it, but it was not good for what I was seeing at that point for rural schools. When we actually saw the language a little bit later, I go, okay, now we're now we're playing, and we can do that. And, you know, that's people I, – I do know the – to the two chairs said, you cannot tell the speaker you're not voting for his. I said, I will vote for my people, and I will always vote for my people. And so we're when it came down to it, just like Brad said, we compromised, but that's what that's how it works. You have to do some compromise. So, but anyway, we know there's a House bill we sent over. We sent it to the Senate, and yada yada yada. They amended. We asked them not to. Let's talk about it, and they sent it back to us. Um, there's still still uh, some work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done, but quit. Please don't read the headlines right now. The two two leaders are squabbling and talking about each other, but please always remember that you elected us as your representatives, and we're going to do the best for you, and we're not going to let it let it slip through the cracks. There, you know, I will tell you, we want to do everything we can to get it funded, but if we can't get it funded, there's another year. Now that doesn't. I didn't make any superintendent this list this morning very happy about that. But you know, we we want to do something that they want long term that's good for them, not just you know patchwork it. We've patchworked it too long. So so please don't get too excited out there. And, and as you hear, read paper and see the internet, uh, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of name calling, but which is probably not good for us. But it, it is what it is. That's politics. What about uh, teacher salaries, Brad? <laughs> So teacher salaries in the bill that we passed, it mandated a $2,500 pay raise for every teacher in Oklahoma. And uh, so we, we like that part of it. But the school's got additional money. And so, I mean, that teacher pay raise may have been 20 to 30% of what the school's got. So they'd have another 60, 70% of money to do more teacher pay raises, uh, to put more money in their schools for operations, hire more teachers, whatever they wanted to do. And so some people are like, well, $2,500 isn't enough of a pay raise because of inflation and we haven't had a pay raise in a few years. Well, the schools would have more money and we thought it's important to give local control and let these superintendents figure out, you know, what's best for Chickasha may not be best for Marlowe and let Chickasha do what's best for them. Marlowe, Tuttle, you know, go down the list of all the different schools. They have their own goals and, you know, objectives. So we, our plan didn't give as much of a raise as a Senate plan, but our money, our plan has more money in it to do additional things, which could be more teacher pay raises as well. 
There's also guaranteed that each teacher got 2500 Their plan put money back on the base salary. So if your t- school was already paying you ahead, you may not get anything. And then and then did not provide some money for some schools to even give a teacher raise, even though we demanded it. So it was going to take other money the school was spending to be able to do that. But uh, that's kind of getting in the weeds. I, you know, I, I do look at one thing is we wanted to do what we can. Everybody said, we got money, but you realize when we do pay pay raises, we cannot take those back. And so if we do a huge pay raise, then we get financially in a strap. Something else got to grip. We can cut everything else, but we can't cut salaries in there. Also, there's something I fought hard for, and actually we, we did a whip on it, got it in, the, in our bill, is there was no way they could spend money for support staff. I thought that was extremely important that we have money available for sports staff that they could use that. So that so part of that money they can now in our bill after we got a whip and I, I really got speaker, I, I hit him pretty hard about it and he goes, You think it's that big and I said, Yeah, I'll just whip it and we got out there and it came in about ninety percent of the whip says, Yeah, we've got to make that available. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I know uh, Brad and I have talked about this for several years on several different aspects. You know, I know the teachers want a big, big pay raise, but I would much rather do a pay raise if 2500 this year and maybe next year we could do we have the money let's do another one but instead of doing once and then get ourselves in trouble and i think it does more for the teachers yeah and i'll also say that you know the house has we have our own version the senate has their own version but at the end of the day for all the listeners out there we all care about the kids we all care about our schools we may have a different way what you think will be the best to achieve that but we only have we're only halfway through session uh, we always end up getting to some sort of an agreement by the end of session and uh, the good thing for teachers out there is that uh, both of our plans do have teacher pay raises in it. So I feel like something's going to happen. Just not sure exactly what it'll look like at the end of the day. Sales tax uh, cuts. It's a big thing on groceries. I know the governor's pushed that the last couple of years in a special session yeah. last summer. It didn't go nowhere. So the, we, the House did it. The Senate uh, we did it. turned we, it down. And so some, very popular. Some, we get a lot of emails from yeah. people in our district about that. Uh, we actually passed grocery sales tax right. mm-hmm. exemption uh, to the Senate. So they have that bill again. And so we'll what's see. A, what's the what's the, uh, what's the discussion in the Senate? Have you, do you know? Or? Well, so what I'll say is we, we passed a lot of things to, send to the Senate, <laughs> and they can't pass them all because we don't have enough money to pay for them all. So we didn't pass them all recklessly, but we, we wanted to give them an array of options and say, hey, here's all these different things that we are for then you guys can pick and choose what you like out of those and then send them back to us. Right, so, so we're talking about, there's the, talk about the, the, inca, the sales income tax ca- on groceries. And no, that's only the state, state portion. Just the, the state, state portion. State I want to portion. reiterate that right. because I know there's a lot of cities and counties mm-hmm. out there that rely on that sales tax, so theirs will stay whole. Right. We're just talking about the state portion. Right, right. And then there's we, some discussion on income tax cuts too. Income yeah. tax, we looked at taking a quarter percent off on a five-year sunset. And the reason we have sent it over that way because it takes a for us to be able to raise an income tax takes a seventy five percent raise or a vote seventy five percent vote that's hard to get I don't care what the bill is seventy five it's only happened one time in thirty years right so we th- we felt like it was very prudent for us to if we want to reduce it a quarter do it for five years. And it sunsets out. If, it, if we're still doing fine, we just added, we just change that sunset date of when it goes away. Um, this makes so much more sense to do it that way than they go. Oh, now we're in trouble. When you get in trouble, what do you do? We start cutting. Well, if we're going to cut, let's cut the tax reduction, 
and, and that gives us a, an increase. Still in have income. a reduction, just not as much as right. You know, so. Right. So we got a quarter percent income tax. We passed on the grocery sales tax. We also passed corporate the tax. Uh, corporate tax. Trying to lower that a little again. We did that a couple of years ago as well. And the reason for that is some people are like, well, why are we giving corporate tax breaks? Well, that's who provides the jobs. And you know, if we can get even more competitive, hopefully we can get more companies that move to Oklahoma and also help the companies we have here, and they'll reinvest back into their company or hire more people. Let's talk about the, the broadband office. You know, that's uh, been uh, big here the last couple, three years. There's the state office now. There's work at the federal level to provide some funding to get uh, broadband service uh, upgraded throughout, uh, especially rural Oklahoma. Yeah, it, it's kind of been slower than we wanted and kind of – it, it always the government's just slow sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, 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 sometimes <laughs> yeah. we do move a little too fast. Yeah. Even. And, and but uh, it's exciting now that we've now got a, a permanent director. Uh, Mike Sanders used to be represented. Mike Sanders, one of the first guys I talked to that kept talking to me, tried to, to run for this office. But Mike uh, is the new director for that. Uh, very energetic. Got a lot of work ahead of him. Real fast. And uh, there's a lot of money sitting there ready to be be put out in some grant systems and uh, grant programs to go ahead and start getting this to build in. The, the trouble is, is we all want it, but it, it takes a while to build. You don't just go out there and string it down the fence line and there it is all of a sudden. So it's going to take some time. You know, we, we're, we're saying we want 95% in five years. That's, that's our dream. By 28, we would like to have 95% of Oklahoma with broadband availability. And so it's moving forward. The funding's there. The federal funding's there. We, uh, uh, Representative Bose and I were at a meeting last week and, and looking at some of the ARPA money that's been put out for this also. And um, transparency has been just a little bit issue there. And I'm really excited because I think with, with Mike Sanders, that transparency won't be an issue. And, uh, you know, if you're, we got money, and we're not talking about a few thousand dollars here. We're talking about several hundred million dollars we're going to spend so we really need transparency. So I'm excited to see that aspect coming in. And Representative Sanders, uh, who's now the director of this uh, Broadway Council, he's from Kingfisher. So he understands the importance of, you know, high-speed internet to rural Oklahoma. And I think he'll be a champion for that. Let's talk about uh, some of the uh, issues regarding the uh, medical marijuana industry and uh, some things like that. Uh, well, I know uh, people The state can't... question failed uh, yeah, they can't last month. Yeah, see my face so... over the radio, yeah. but there is a smile on it because yeah. of that, because we've had so many issues with the medical side, and we're still working on it. But uh, I think with uh, the fail, failing of 820, especially at the number it failed at, it was uh, – it, it give us open doors, a little bit of a mandate, get this thing cleaned up. And so we're, we've been working at it, and uh, but working full force. There's several bills out there this time. I uh, We talked at a group last night, and uh, we're going to be talking and working with OB any more. I talked with them this week, and I said, hey, how about if we have DEQ come every time we bust one of DEQ come in or EPA and do a complete assessment of those. We don't have any idea of what's running off it for three for the next two or three years while we try to figure out what we're going to do with the land. And so we're, we're looking at so many areas in there. Um, there's moratorium on, on new license right now, two-year moratorium going on. I, I expect that to be uh, more work done on that, even maybe uh, to see the license number coming down. 
uh, a lot of there's a lot of bills. I didn't run any bills this year on marijuana. I, last year I started several. The uh, committee that was dealt with it stripped my bills, took my language, put in their own. So I thought it probably wouldn't in me doing all the work for them anymore. So we worked on some other areas this year, and uh, so. Uh, but I'm I'm excited that what what we have an opportunity to do now. Yeah, I mean I think we're going to make a lot of progress, and you know that state question failed. I think 63 percent across the state, but in Oklahoma, I mean in Grady County, it was over seventy percent. And so I mean our voters in our districts here. We're very overwhelmingly uh, in favor of beating that state question, which I think tells me and Representative Lowe where, where they stand on this issue. And, you know, I think people are okay with the medical side of it, yeah. but it's the uh, illegal operations that are going on and the uh, all the collateral damage that that's causing with land prices, with, uh, you know, bad actors moving into town that uh, are doing things not on the up and up. And so we're trying to yeah. go after that. Let me dovetail right over that uh, off the 820 election. I just came back from a a conference on safe elections. And I'm going to tell the folks in Oklahoma, be proud you're in Oklahoma. We have the very safest elections in the whole United States. Every state there is envious of us. I got to see how the state of Louisiana does, and it's still open. Fraud can happen that still just because the way it's set up. Uh, every state does their own election. People say, well, everybody, we need to make federal law do it. Remember, when you make federal law, who's in charge makes the laws. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why we have state state laws. And, and uh, But Oklahoma has, without without a doubt, the best elections of, of anybody uh, in in our area and in the nation. We wonder why sometimes some of the bigger states, it takes them days, if not weeks, to certify an election. And well, well, and the potential for fraud during that time yeah, period is yeah. rampant. But it, it, Oklahoma is one of the few states, only three states that we call uniform states that are from the top down. Everything flows from the state the state election board to the counties. In many states, they have every county has a different way they even vote. It's a, and so it's bottom up, and, and that opens up for fraud. But when you have top down, it, it becomes very, very safe and very, very uniform in the way we do it. And it, it was neat to see. I mean, I'm, it was not an area that I had any knowledge in other than I voted like everybody else. Right. I always felt like it was safe. But that that was exciting. Uh, I, I know we probably have to be wrapping up, and I want one thing we want to hit on, we're working on a budget now. We have probably a few more dollars to use than we've had in the past. We've had a good year. Uh, the last few years have been really, have, really good. Uh, we, uh, the Senator Paxton brought it out last night. I thought it was a good point that we were basing off of $4 natural gas, which is, as we always say. It was $10 just uh, not really that yeah, long yeah, ago. Now it's down ago. to 2 Now, now it's yeah. 2 So our, our forecast that came out in February, now those numbers may be, we were forecasting off of 267 gas, and we're not at 267 gas. So we're, we're trying to be careful. Uh, Senate says we're being re- reckless. Uh, they kind of call us the trailer park bunch <laughs> over there. But, <laughs> but, you know, we, uh, we, we want to get as much money back in our taxpayers' dollars' pockets as we can. And so as we work through this budget, we're going to be careful with it. We're going to be looking at one-time monies. We really like one-time monies instead of things that are reoccurring that forced to reincur. But uh, there's some things just like the the seismic stuff that it's a one-time occurring. We need that to happen. And so we're going to be looking at all that in the near. Budget's going to be the last three weeks like it always has been. Everybody says, well, do it first. We don't know what we're going to spend at that point with our bills. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to be in that that realm working on that but uh 
um, again, we, we think we have some extra dollars. We have to be careful we spend how much we spend in education there because we do have the rest of the state to take care of also. Right. Uh, and uh, what got a got adjourned by the last Friday in May, right? That's so that's right. just a seven or eight weeks away. So. It's constitutional. Yep. And uh, so we have to do that. And, and we do every year. And some years it looks like there's no way we're going to get there, but it always happens. I think deadlines are good. It makes things happen. Keeps you on track, doesn't it? All right, uh, Brad, thanks for coming in. Always good to have you on. Appreciate uh, State the Representative Brad Bowles of uh, Marlowe serving House District 51, which does include uh, much of the Grady County area, and uh, Dick Lowe from Amber from District 56. So appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for hey, having us, George. It's great to be here. And, you know, everybody says, well, you just talk plain, and I do. But I think everybody in Grady County in the Chickasha area north knows me, and they that you talk like you are. And and Brad is such a pleasure to work with. I mean, uh, Grady County is very fortunate. I don't know with me. I mean, I've got, everybody knows my wife, and Miss Judy is the best part of our marriage, without a question. But to have someone like Brad Bowes representing us too, also, we're very very fortunate. When we work together well, and uh, and for all the listeners out there, please let us know if there's anything we can help you with, because we love to. That's the best part of the job is helping you. State Representative Brad Bowles and Representative Dick Lowe on our program this week.